Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Um, please hit subscribe. Please share it with everybody. Um, as I said before, um, there may be some ads on this podcast. Um, if you don't want to listen to them, just skip forward. <laughs> um, and if you do, then, it, yeah, it just means that the podcast might um, starting to hopefully generate some cash for us to then just make the uh, podcast better for everybody. Um, still haven't worked out if we're doing an ad-free version. I will let you know when that happens. Um, and if this podcast doesn't have any ads, then we're all winning. So uh, without further ado, um, this week's podcast is with West End. Uh, West End has been around for a few years. Um, I've been watching him from afar his music is really really well produced music um he does extremely well um streaming and i started talking to him during covid um i was really interested with what he was doing with his discord and he started like a a, a kind of a production school um or production i'd, I'd like to say more so community where he helps producers um, learn how to produce. Um, and it was just really interesting. So I was kind of like really intrigued and picked his brains a lot. And he helped me out a lot with Discord during during um, COVID. And um, I really liked the guy. He's really, really nice and really down to earth. He's also hilarious on Twitter. Um, so, uh, yeah, he dropped me a text and asked to come on. So I was like, yeah, like I'd love to have a conversation with him. Um, we had a really good conversation. I loved it. So I'm just going to stop blabbering on and let you guys listen. So without further ado, West End. Mr. West End, what's cooking? What's cooking? Not much, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. How's uh, New York right now? It's good. It's uh, I'm, I have a, I live on the 23rd floor, so I can kind of, I don't face Manhattan. I face kind of the Bronx and Queens a bit, so I, I get a good angle it's very uh gloomy right now very in... just gray skies do you live in brooklyn no i live in long island city oh um, okay which cool you know what that is or... yeah whenever i tell people i live in long island city they think i live in long island which is totally different yeah um so for the people who don't know long island is like the suburbs like that extend out of new york long island city is in uh right across from manhattan on the east side so yeah that's where i live dope man nice I used to, yeah, I used to live in Brooklyn, so. I remember you said you lived there for like, what was it, like eight months, a yeah, year or so? Yeah, four or five months, something like that. I may, I'd move back, I know to, you're, I'd move back tomorrow, I love it. You you would move back tomorrow, yeah. yeah, I mean, this is where I'm from, like I've literally, my I've lived here my whole life, except I went away to college for four years, I went to North Carolina, so I live in like a small, I'm sure yeah. you've played, you played in Durham before, or no? No, but I know North Carolina, UNC, did you go to UNC? Uh, Duke. Duke, rival school or the rival yeah. school yeah yeah exactly yeah the, the smarty pants the duke i was gonna say um, isn't yeah, duke so like a really good university 
it, it's yeah it's, it's up there um and i'm the I'm a, I'm a dj now so look how that turned out <laughs> what what did you do at uni um so yeah you don't pick like your major until like your second year yeah um, so i kind of just went like liberal arts like just let's go to college let's get a degree yeah i ended up studying public policy uh <laughs> which is like so random um the only reason i picked public policy was because there was like a a big school there and it was like i knew i wasn't going to do anything in the government that was never like my plan but it was more of like you could go into consulting you could go into finance you could go into tech afterwards it's very broad um, so yeah i picked the yeah exactly it's a broad kind of skill set mm. um, um do you regret going to university now um no i don't uh i was very blessed that my family paid for me to go there and Amazing. like we didn't I didn't have to take out any like loans or I don't have any debt right now. Yeah. I'm sure if I had, and it's an expensive school. So yeah. I'm sure um, if I had a lot of debt, I would regret it. Yeah. But no, I think like, even like for like DJing and stuff, like I DJed and produced like the whole time while I was there. And uh, you know, it, it especially in North Carolina, like the, there wasn't really much of an electronic music scene. I had to play pretty much like open format. Yeah. Um, a lot of, country kind not like country but like country pop stuff like just like terrible things for me personally um and but yeah no like i, I the, the whole experience you know the thing with for me about university was like it really taught me how to like work hard play hard which is like a mentality i kind of keep with me mm -hmm. um because I, I really think even just like you know being a dj and producer the people that rise to the top are the ones that work really really fucking hard yeah um it's, it's there's a lot going on behind the scenes it's not just oh make some music go play shows it's I mean, you obviously know there's so much um, more to it. So I, I really valued the kind of like how intense it was when I went to school there. Yeah. But I, I don't remember one thing that I learned from my major. Like I actually don't remember <laughs> anything. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it's always the crazy thing about school, right? As soon as you leave, it's like you've, oh, it's just everything. Like anything that we actually don't give a fuck about, we just forget. And our brains just yeah. like algebra. Can you remember doing that at school? Then, no, I, I can only do addition subtraction multiplication and division anything else at this point even the square roots get i mean i can probably do them but you know i i think about this all the time the one thing i do think that is very valuable is history i feel like that you don't forget as easily um because i mean obviously you forget like you forget like details and stuff but i feel like out of all the the sciences i remember history the most yeah i think right. it also depends what the school is teaching you and how they're teaching you to yeah and know. like what actual history because i like i'm sure that in like what we teach in england history is different to american history yeah it, like i kind of know how america like went down like from 1776 to like now yeah like there's some fuzzy parts but like you know i know the ride of it but yeah like the english history like uh yeah we, we don't get head. taught about like all the monstrosities we caused over the world, which we shouldn't be taught about. Of course about. not. We get taught about like Henry VIII and how we like beat the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely get, in, in, over here in the US, we get, um, we definitely don't forget that we we won the Revolutionary War. That's oh, definitely yeah. drilled, drilled into our heads over here. Yeah. We still, but, we still did you go to university or no? No, no, no. I am... Yeah. Um, I tapped out as soon as I possibly could, really. Um, we There's a thing called college in the UK, which is <clears throat> almost high school in America. 
Um, so you can mm-hmm. either stay or it's 16 to 18. So you can either quit everything. Well, not nowadays. Nowadays you can't. But when I was there, you used to be able to quit at 16 if you wanted and go get a job, go do whatever you wanted. Um, yeah. Or you could... But are you an adult at 16 or are you just don't have to go to school? You don't have to go to school. You can go work. Yeah, but... Got it. Um, you can sign up to the army at 16 as well. I don't think you can go to the army, but they then put you through education until you're 17 or 18, and then you can go something like cool. that, I think. Um, yeah. And yeah. You, you can drink at 18, right? That, yeah. That's the drinking law? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, and then 16 to 18, you can either, yeah, quit school, go do your own thing. You can either stay on at school, which is we we would call sixth form, which is like you just go do a multiple of different subjects to then take you to university or you can go to a place called college and college is like they provide a lot more like it's like what you would class as like a mini major in your degree Uh so it's like i just did music technology for two years and that i could then go to university and do something in music if i wanted um but yeah i didn't is that like you're in like a studio and stuff kind of or you're learning how to like mic up a a kick drum and Everything. things like that yeah so it's like super broad it's like you learn about synthesis yeah. you learn about live recording you learn about studio desks you learn about some like theory some history um it was it, to be fair it was actually really good i loved it it was it was fun um, I, I can relate to that because like when I was in high school, there was a class called Digital Music Lab. Um, so funny enough, the high school I went to is like a really big public school in New York. And there's um, there's a few public schools that the only way you get in. So this is just for high school. So eighth, ninth, tenth or no, ninth, tenth, eleventh and twelfth grade we have here. Um, and the only way you get in is by taking this test. And if you score like above a certain number, you'll qualify like the best school was like Stuyvesant. So you had to get over like. 530 and if you get that you get in it doesn't matter if you were like a terrible student before that or like your work ethic or or anything like that it was just like so it was like an interesting school it was like around 3,000 kids in my in in this high school um and it's a really famous like high school it's called Bronx Science there's a lot of like Nobel Prize winners that went there I remember like a fun fact was like we had more than like the country of Spain like it's a lot of people like that studied like, nuclear science back in the day, and and one of the guys that went there is Robert Moog, who okay. made the Moog no synthesizer. Way. That's crazy. Yeah, he's like probably the coolest alumni for me um, that went there. And so his daughter donated this like lab, and it was basically a classroom with like thirty iMacs mm. um, and like little Novation like MIDI keyboards, and like they all had like a copy of Reason on it. Yeah, like, Reason Four. Um, and so like there was a class you could take and I remember the teacher, Mr. De Silva, um, it would, it would kind of run through like what you said, like a little bit of music theory, a lot of like how synthesizers work. Mm. So like, how does a filter work? How does, um, an envelope work? Mm. Um, what are the different waveforms, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then like, once you kind of learn like the basics of that and kind of like how to use the program, like how to use a sequencer and all this stuff, um, you, we just, we would just make beats all day. It was like the best class. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I got, that wasn't like my initial like entry point into electronic music or like DJing really, but like, that's kind of how I 
got my hands on like working on the computer making music and I kind of got hooked from there so like I I think it's really important to have those like opportunities for kids to like hands-on play with music and, and you know I totally agree I think I spoke about this quite a bit on the podcast but it's like a lot of school is not about being creative a lot of school is just doing what the curriculum tells you you have to do and just just to kind of it's a memory test really there's like routine like it's really good to get into the routine but it's like you're also a kid like you should definitely be able to be live your life and like not have to worry about doing like you obviously need to do maths and your 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 uh, native language whatever that is but like there's also a lot of things that you're kind of made to do that really just doesn't inspire people and like <clears throat> when you're a kid you love le- like when you're a baby you, you just all you want to do is learn when you're a toddler all you want to do is learn when you're in like primary school it's like all you want to do is learn and then you get to like starting to become an adult and you're like getting taught stuff that you don't give a fuck about and you're just like this is pointless we're all just like wasting our time and i think there's so many people that it fits really well with, but then there's also so many people that it just doesn't fit well with and they need to be doing creative shit. Yeah. I think, I think it's always interesting to think about like the amount of people, like, I mean, it's like kind of like a philosophical question, but there's probably so many people that would be like creative geniuses in whatever field they would have been like painting or, or music or whatever, but just because they either never got like exposed to it enough or, never had the chance to uh to try it out um yeah i think it's interesting thinking now because like i haven't been in like a school setting in a while um i could probably ask like, a younger nephew or niece or something but like i wonder if like they like updated kind of all the like arts and creative stuff in school like i wonder if mm. they have like you know if like painting class is now like graphic design and like photoshop and yeah you know they had like photography and stuff when i was there and like this was like kind of cutting edge but you know, I couldn't imagine like a school teaching like music without having some electronic music yeah. component. It's know? really weird because when I was there, my music, like I knew I wanted to do music from like the age of nine. So I, I was going into school wanting to do that. But like my music teacher or one of my music teachers at my high school, like told me that like electronic music is not a genre and I'll never have a career out of it. So it's like... <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. Exactly. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it's, it's very, I don't know. The whole teacher thing's weird, really. It's yeah. weird to me. Can you play an instrument or? I can kind of play the piano, but not well. Really. Dude, that, that's like the biggest thing for my imposter syndrome is like, I'm make, when it comes to classical, not classical music and like Beethoven, but just classical music training. Yeah. My skill set's like pretty bad. Like I, yeah. you know, I, I, I my music theory knowledge, I can get away with it and, and that's, it's fine. Um, and luckily the kind of music I make doesn't require too much, um, like theory, but like, I've been thinking about this recently is like going and finding a piano teacher and just, you know, not even saying that like, I'm like a producer and like, this is what I know and what I don't know. And just being like, okay, teach me how to play Mm -hmm. the piano, teach me how to, you know, play chords and understand music theory better. And cause like, I feel like, especially as producers, you get to a point where you can like make, you know, you, you have some success and you can make a lot of songs easily. Um, but like, you don't challenge yourself to like really 
go to the next level yeah. and you can get like super comfortable with, like with your samples and everything. And so, I don't know, I think it would be fun to kind of like take on the challenge, learn piano. And I'm sure it would t- help my productions like a ton. Mate, it will be an absolute game changer for you. I know. I know. And, I gotta and do it. like not your, your productions are fucking tight. Like they're one of the, like in your genre, like sonically for me, like you have, the tightest productions in that way like you have this like i've always said such it. a horny way to describe it so <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's just like everything about it is just so well wellly done if that makes sense like Thank engineered you. very well and that is just it's, it's an art and it's in its own and i will ne- my sound will never be like that if you know what i mean because yours is it's just very you and it's great um but yeah i've I used to learn to play the piano and I can't play the piano. Like if, if there was a pianist here sat next to me, I would be like a hundred percent. I cannot play the piano, but like, yeah, I kind of can, but I, I'm not like good. If that makes sense. So I get my way around, but I've tried to have lessons for years and years and years. And I've gone to so many teachers and I don't want somebody like I know you have to learn the basics of course you do but it's like yeah I I my, for me to learn the piano again I have to forget everything I've taught myself which is never going to happen <laughs> so I need a teacher that can be like right this is what we're going to do like I'm going to play this you play this back to me or like do this do that whereas I just haven't found that right teacher yet cuz a lot of the teachers that I've came across are like very they want to teach you classical how to classically play and it's like well i've been playing the piano for 15 years kind of in my own way for me to unlearn that way and then do it how you want to do it is just it's going to be impossible it's pointless and then i get to the point where i'm like fuck this it's just not it's that's that's my concern for me is like it's not going to connect or i'm going to be like i already know some of this like but like you know you really that's what i think it's like when you learn a skill like that it's almost easier to not know anything because yeah. like then you're you're kind of like ingesting it in the proper way versus you know i'm thinking that there's probably bad habits so to speak that you know yeah. you've developed or i have too it's just not really like a bad habit it's just like to to get to get by and, and what we're doing i think i think it'd be sick if it was like a music producer like electronic music producer to teach you piano because then it's like they kind of understand the mindset that you're approaching it from versus like, yeah, I'm not just going to like the piano to, to jazz out or whatever. It's like, there's a, there's a purpose to this, but I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to find someone and, uh, I'll keep you updated. Yeah, on, please do. I'll send you little videos of me yeah, playing. Yeah, please do. I goes and stuff. One of my really good friends, a guy called Mitch Jones. He, um, he work. I, I, I work or he works. We work together quite a lot. He's helping me out with the project at the moment and we kind of write for other people together. And he's like insane pianist. Like he went to boarding school from the age of 12 to to practice the piano. So like he was playing from the age of 12 to 18. He was playing like six hours a day. So like wow. he's legit unbelievable at the piano like i can literally be like mate i want something like this this and this and he like literally play it straight away 
And those people always impress me so much. Yeah. I and can like listen to something and just like jam it out. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And he'll listen to a vocal and he'd be like, oh, it's in this key. He won't even like, it won't even be like, you know, like when you're trying to work out a key. I don't know. For me, it is anyways. Like, okay, is it that note? Oh, no. It's near that note, but it's that note. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah it's yeah. in this key, blah, 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 played. And like, here's like it's counter true. melodies and here's the fifths and the seventh and all of that. And I'm just like, but also, he's a sick producer as well. But you've got, for me, to be that good at something, it's like you have to put the time in. The reason you're good at producing and engineering is because you put the time in. If you put the time in to be a pianist, you'd be just as good as a pianist as you are a producer and engineer. Uh, yeah, I, I think this brings up a super interesting conversation that I often um, think about, which is that I think there's this idea that as like a music producer, you have to be good at everything kind of, yeah. especially as like, it's, it's funny because it's especially as like an amateur producer, like let's say like a bedroom producer, yeah. you know, you have to make the whole song, you have to songwrite it, you have to write all the melodies, you know, you should do, make all the synths and sound design, mix it, master it. Um, and I think I have this like shame that if I'm not really good at something that mm -hmm. it like takes away yeah. from me as a, as a producer. Um, but generally speaking, like you said, like it makes more sense to kind of, you know, hammer down what you're good at yeah. and not necessarily try to expand to everything. Um, but yeah, it's something I feel like a lot of producers deal with, which is that, you know, it, it's hard to be like super good music theory wise and also be really good at getting the mix super tight. Like yeah. those are two things that are totally separate that you would have to put, you know, thousands of hours in each to mm -hmm. kind of excel at. And that's why when you have people that are just amazing at both, like those guys are, are just weapons in the studio. Yeah. And those are the guys that are often like producing for pop artists yeah. and, um, you know, doing not close production, but just production for other people because it's like, they're just so good at uh, what they do. But a lot of them aren't artists themselves. That's the one thing. Sometimes I notice that there's people that I know that they're really good musicians and they're like, so like they can write the most incredible chord progressions and really just like create all this emotion. But then when I listen to their production, sometimes I'm not as impressed because you know, it doesn't either have that like edge to it or mm. that vibe. And that's like a totally different thing that you can't really, you know, I mean, you can teach it and learn it a bit, but it's kind of like something that's just your tastes and interests all accumulated into like you. And yeah, even if you suck in music theory, if you have a sick vibe, it doesn't really matter. It in my matter. opinion, That's what people, that's the sexy thing people want. Yeah. It's like how many, like, can Beyonce play the piano and produce a fucking great record? No, but she can sing like fucking yeah. the, the queen of whatever. Same with Adele. I think Adele can actually play the piano, but like... Yeah, she probably could rip it, to be honest. Yeah, but like... You only need one thing that you're really good at. And, it's true. And then you can make the most of it. Or you can create a team around you that will then like elevate everything else right so if you're like if you can make insane records but you're really shit at social media or marketing yourself and you're slow like you're still making a fucking great product so it doesn't matter if the if the product at the end of it is really good unless you're an absolute cunt you're, you're good i i agree i think it's like it's kind of like uh it's like a company, you know, it's like you have different departments. Mm -hmm. Everyone's doing their own job. Um, 
but I think it took me a while to kind of break out of that mentality of like, Oh, I have to do everything myself. Yeah. Um, and, and I think people think that they're doing, uh, you know, I think people that do really just kind of have their studio and that's nothing goes to anyone else and they do it all themselves. You know, I think there's a misconception, you know, especially like, you know, sometimes I use a lot of, um, writers now for, for, for vocals, for example. Yeah, yeah. And, um, sometimes I'm like, damn, maybe I should like write my own lyrics and whatever. Like I, you know, now I have access to all these writers and, and people mm. that are singers. It's like before I was like using sample packs where someone else would yeah, yeah. write the samples. And it's like, the, it's the kind of same thing where, you know, you can always go down that rabbit hole. I think Diplo had a joke about like, it was, it was like a tweet about something like, I, I didn't want to use samples. So I, I got real drums and it's like, I didn't. I wanted to make the drums myself, so I, I killed a goat and made goat skin drums. I'm completely butchering this joke, but like the concept is like you can always be like go one level further. But I think it's more of like an artist insecurity that like once you kind of break through, your potential is so much higher because you're not like oh I have to do everything. I can find someone who's really good at this, mm. and you know they can help make this song the best it can possibly be, rather than my ego saying like oh I got to do everything. All by myself. I agree. That's my rant. No, no, I agree with you. I think it's would it's also like it's it's actually like bringing it like personal. It's like taking out the ego out of it, and it's like okay, I'm actually shit at this. So who can I do? Who can I get that's better at me to do it? Like for me, like my whole goal is to write the best possible music I can make, and. I'm not the best writer in the world and I'm not the best producer in the world and I'm not the best at anything realistically in the world. So who can I get involved that wants to get involved that can make the help me make the best record? And and that's for me that's just like taking out a huge amount of ego really and just being like I'm not just holding my hands up and going I'm actually not good at this so let's get somebody else to do it. Yeah, it's like it's it's very vulnerable, kind of. You have to like, yeah, face that ego and like kind of admit to yourself that maybe you aren't the best at this. Um, and I, you know, one thing I've noticed now uh, is that I find myself wanting to collaborate a lot more, especially like mm. in recent years than I used to. Like I used to, and I think most people would relate that are, you know, artists and music producers that you know, you either don't know that many people to collaborate with, or you're really just like learning. So it's a very like solitary kind of activity. But I, I really think that music is like supposed to be collaborative in a sense. Yeah. Um, obviously, there can be like a very deep thing from like writing, you know, on your own as well. But I find myself having a lot more fun just like working with people. Yeah. Um, even if it doesn't mean that the song is necessarily like a collaboration, totally. but um, just like feedbacking on stuff. It's like, uh, you're always, I think, going to get a better product if you mm-hmm. kind of work with other people on it. So that's something I think I'm going to do a lot more of going forward. I totally agree. I think it's just having people around you in a creative. Sometimes you just need to be creative by yourself and you just need yeah. to be like, you know what, I'm just going to do, I'm going to write till four o'clock in the morning and just like, just have that for you. Right. But I think also it's like having, it's very, it's a very isolating thing to do what we do. And I don't think it's the same in pop music. I don't think it's the same in hip hop. I don't think it's the same in a lot of other genres. It's in, 
electronic dance like house techno drum and bass like all of those kind of subgenres. i think it's a very like isolating situation to be in and a lot of people were just like a laptop and headphones or a laptop and speakers and the outside world isn't really kind of taking a part of it whereas i think if you can i think the way our industry is going way more commercialized and like like you your streams can be as high as some pop records right and so it's like well now we're in the commercial world so now we can bring people in that because people are interested right beforehand if you would get like five thousand streams or like 200 if you had well if 50 buys on beatport like no one gave a fuck right but now it's like well there is a business in the electronic industry outside of performing so it's like it's opened the doors to more people wanting to get involved in it and i think a lot of artists have that like were singers potentially have seen like wow there's actually a really easy way to make a, f- a to make a living out of the the electronic music world Are you about to say a fuck ton of money here now you can if you're good and you make I thought that was on the tip of your lips right no yeah, but like, <laughs> no well i'm yet to make that so who knows <laughs> um but Someone like has. yeah definitely um but like it's easy to dj djing's easy now it's not hard you don't have to go to a fucking weird vinyl record shop to buy some vinyl and get looked at by a bunch of vinyl snobs and check out i'm gonna then- put that as a quote DJing is easy. Will Clark. DJing is fucking easy. Like it is easy. It's very easy. The like technical side of DJing is easy. Like being a good DJ is a different situation. But like DJing is easy. So like for singers that are like just singers and they're like they're not making money from their songs because it's like it's hard to make really good money from being a singer they can't really perform because they can't really sell tickets because they haven't had a big record. But like as a DJ is like you can feature on a DJ's record or you can make an electronic record or get a producer to write an electronic record. You sing on it and then you can become a DJ and potentially sing. Like it's just, it's way easier than what it used to be. So I think like, I think that whole world is the, 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 the electronic music world is coming together with, the pop world way closer like way hand like i guess like look at some of the samples you've used right that some of them are old pop records and like there's no one saying that you couldn't like make your own pop record and then just use that as a sample and then turn it into a dance record yeah i, I think I, I agree with you with everything on that um especially like i think it's interesting with like the singers that you know because you, you totally hit the nail on the head there that like you're not going to get paid a lot just you know from from singing which is unfortunate because i feel like singers and songwriters get overlooked a ton in this industry yeah and you know the, what they bring to the table is like honestly very so important and just like so talented um but i, I think it's interesting because i feel like a lot of times people take that route where they maybe go the more like dj route yeah and then you know they then it's like it's not really satisfying maybe their original desire. Like if you really wanted to be like a singer or like a pop star, for example, and you became a fucking DJ, like you'll be disappointed kind of quickly because 
you know, I think you'll realize that there is it's not what it is kind of in that in that way. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, you know, it, it's almost like settling a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, bills need to get paid and, uh, you know, sacrifice needs to be made to be able to just like work in this industry and work um work on music for a living i think is a blessing for most people and i think a lot of people do it any way they can yeah um have you ever settled but yeah have i ever settled yeah um no i've I've never i mean i probably i think in like smaller decisions like you have to Mm. of course like in, in little decisions right like it could be taking a gig for example versus not you know there's tons of times like a this is, a, I think, a most com- like probably a really common thing for DJs is like, you know, thinking you're worth more for something, but um, taking it for another opportunity, right? Like yeah. maybe it's a good look, or uh, you think it's like a good networking thing. So I think there's like settling with that. I, one thing I've been thinking about interesting is that thinking about recently, which I find interesting, is that um, once you've kind of like, and I feel like a lot of people aren't going to relate to this, but like this lifestyle is incredible being a dj and being a producer and it's like absolutely like you know i've never been happier in my entire life than like i have been in the last like year or two and you know it's a really hard thing to do but um i love it so much and it's like i see why people that have been around for a really long time like tiesto for example why they pivot and kind of have adapted to um you know like Tiesto like used to make trance and now he's uh he's a pop star pretty much he's he makes commercial dance music um and i see why people and this is maybe not i'm putting thoughts in in my mind of how they think but i see why people kind of do whatever they can to um stay relevant and stay Mm -hmm. successful because uh it is such an amazing thing to do to dj for a living um and so I, I can kind of like relate to to that for people. While before I was like kind of like, oh, why would you do that? You know, um, I can see why people kind of like adapt to the times, if that makes sense. I totally agree with you. I also think like as you get older into the industry and you kind of start spending more time in the industry and you kind of see the rise and the fall of people around you um, and the people that evolve stay around and the people that don't don't. And I think it's just, just like anything in business, right? It's not with, you have to evolve. Otherwise you kind of get left behind. And Tiesto, David Guetta, two of the people. Guetta. Guetta. The way you say it is so funny. Yeah. I, Born Dirty <laughs> literally has a go at me every time and I just do it just to annoy him. Um, okay. We'll keep it like that. <laughs> yeah, go out, deal with it, French people. Um, <laughs> uh, like those those two, whether you like their music or not, like it's they are literally the biggest in the world. Calvin, right? Like maybe not so much Calvin because Calvin's always been pop, but in the like the dance music realm, but like. Tiesto and Guetta weren't at all. They were not pop. They were big, but they weren't pop. And now they are pop. But I think, like, as they get older, you get older and you have different needs, right? And let's be honest, the they also need to earn money. And they want to carry on doing what they're doing and earn as much money as possible. So uh, you ha- also have huge teams when you're, when you're that big, if you know what I mean. Every, you have to put money on the table for or food on the table for a lot of people. 
so it's like what does make the 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 best money how how can they make the most money and also still tour four or five days a week if they want if you know what i mean tiesto still tour, or i don't know if he still tours but he was he's touring crazy amounts and you're just like he's god knows how old he is but like that's that's hustling to to still to be at his age and still be doing it yeah, I think especially now that like you, I kind of like understand a little bit of how this industry works. You get respect. You get a different level of respect for those people that you may not have had before because you can't really like relate to it as much. Um, just on like the musical side of things, but yeah. just on like the the work ethic side, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. It's like it's a lot of fucking work, and um, it's it's just it can be like a really difficult job, but it's also so rewarding. Like you know, I used to work at a tech company where I would go in and you know get on Excel and whatever all day, and then go home. And um, now being able to like work for myself, kind of, and like yeah. there's tons of ways you can own your own business. It doesn't have to be music, but um, just like I want to keep that forever. Like I never want mm. that to kind of go away, and so. I have that drive and that motivation to, um, to keep that going forever. You know, you've done that. Like I've watched you from afar though. And from, especially during COVID, like you started your like school that you, whatever you, I don't know if you call it a school, but I just called it a school, but like West End university, baby. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Um, (laughs) like you started that and that is a great revenue income for, to make sure that you don't have to do that as well you don't have to go back to that full-time job if you don't want if you know what i mean what was, yeah, was that I, why you started it uh no i well i originally started it i can give you like a little bit of the backstory um it was mostly out of necessity because um pandemic hits and uh no more gigs right i wasn't yeah. even i was getting paid pretty dog shit before yeah. that anyways and i, I was you know my the amount of money I made in a year was not enough to sustain me. I was living at home before that. Yeah. I was, you know, I moved back in with like my parents and I was just, it was kind of like, I'm taking these years to the, like, try to, to make this happen. So right. pandemic hits and I'm like, all right, I need some money because I, I have no money right now. And, uh, I got unemployment, which was like nice for a bit. The U S was definitely cranking out those yeah. bills for a few months. It was pretty nice, but I based someone hit me up, um, this producer Moose actually, Michael Musilli, um, who I later hired to to work for me as the coach. But he hit me up. He's like, "Oh, are you doing like uh, um, lessons, like a Zoom lesson where I could like learn from you about how to make music?" Yeah. And I was like, "I've never done one of those before, but you know, I'll give it a shot." And I think I was charging like fifty dollars an hour or something, mm. like pretty affordable, I would yeah. say, for like uh, an hour of time. And I started like, I put a post up on my Instagram. I dressed up in a suit and I like put on glasses and I was like, school's in session, guys. Like hit me up if you want to book um, one-on-one sessions. And it kind of like, for me at the time, it like blew up. Like I was doing, you know, maybe three to four hours a day, five mm. days a week. Wow. People were, yeah, there was a huge interest. I think because everyone's home and they yeah. want to get better and, you know, they had all this money. So I kind of did that for a year and I was like, um, it got to the point where I was just, I lost a little bit of excitement in it. I was, mm. I was like, Oh, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at teaching and explaining and, um, helping people with their music. And, um, 
gigs started to come back a little bit the the end was in sight for the pandemic so i was like i'm gonna stop this for a bit because uh i also like wasn't able to write my own music because i was just listening to other people's music all day so it was kind of like fucking with my head too so i stopped for a few months this was in 2021 and uh i actually got a message like a really long instagram message from this guy in uh denmark and it was basically about like a collaboration proposal to create this discord community where you know i think he'd saw a youtube video i did like a tutorial that i put out and he was like i really like your tutorial i'm in this i'm in a community for this for like minimal house it was run by um a british producer actually i forgot who it was it wasn't like dimish it was like some some guy that like runs with like toman and like those people yeah um and he had his own Discord. So we were like, okay, why don't we do, why don't we make this community where people pay a monthly fee and you're going to get all of this access to all these music production tutorials? Yeah. Um, you'll also get access to like feedback on your music. It's going to be like this whole platform where people can kind of get in yeah. and it'll be like a community they can learn. And so I was like, you know, sometimes like give people give you a project proposal. You're like, this is cool, but I really don't have time and yeah, yeah. it's going to be so much work. But I was like, okay, you know, let's let's try this out um i recorded like 10 hours of like tutorials like mm. beforehand he d- dealt with like setting up this discord and stuff sorry i'm a little congested no so worries, um, a little nasally right now <laughs> but yeah basically we launched in july july of 2021 the first day we got like 30 people to sign up uh which was like for me that was like a huge win i was yeah. like wow like one day 30 people paying a monthly fee and then uh yeah it just kept growing and growing from there i think we're now at around 500 uh members in our community that's amazing um which was it's amazing and i, I you know if for people that are listening it's called kick and bass if you go kick-bass.com um it's pretty much like we're trying to make it like the place that if you're into like house music and you're a producer into house music and like you want a community of people to like grow with and learn with and uh get feedback on your music and like all these things we do contests and remix contests all this stuff it's like that's the place to be and that's like our kind of goal mm. um so so yeah like it, it was set up kind of out of um just like chance yeah. so to speak but now like looking back i'm like i feel like producers and artists they don't do and they they think that their only revenue stream can be touring music royalties and then like maybe sell some t-shirts on their website yeah and i feel like there's it's so it's so limiting and it's like it puts you in a box and like once you start thinking about business ventures that aren't just that mm-hmm. like a whole world opens up for you i totally agree i like i'm yeah. all for that and i think but i think i'd like to get your opinion <clears throat> do you think it's because the whole of the industry is like all you have to do is is get amazing at music and then you'll become famous and then you'll make a shit ton of money. Like rather than go, wait, how is this sustainable? And how, how do we sustainably do this for the rest of our lives? Right? Like you, I, I don't know like your finances, but like if you've got a business that's still in music that allows you to keep the bills, the, the lights on, keep food on the table and you want to go and do like two, three months of just writing and you don't have to tour, then you're in the best position to be because you've got an income coming in. You don't have to go to work every single day. You're not really expected to do too much on that project. 
So it's like, then you can just concentrate on actually being the artist. And I think that is the, the, the dream, right? For, I don't know, maybe it's not, but it's like have an endless supply of money in your account and you can just do what the fuck you want, right? But like by having a side business in music, you, you're kind of creating that in a, not obviously not an endless supply of money, but like you're giving yourself freedom to then go and be the artist you want. Yeah, I think time will buy. Time is the most important thing as an artist. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that for a while, but it's yeah, it's time to write music, time to be inspired, um, and so giving yourself time or buying yourself time makes your artist project better. Uh, I used to watch like a show like Shark Tank, um, mm-hmm. and like you know, I, I would be like, oh, oh, I just need to come up with like some crazy contraption or whatever. And then I'll just, you know, that'll be my side business and I'll get rich doing that and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, people always say like, go into business with like what you know best. And like, now I'm like, oh, well, I know best what it's like to be a producer and like what a producer wants because I've done it for 10 years. And so, you know, even if, if West End dies out tomorrow and uh, I can't get booked for any more shows and no one streams my music, like I... You know, I'd probably create a new artist project and try to do that. But regardless of that, I would, you know, do something in like the music education space because yeah. I've already done a bit of it and I, I know it. I think what you said before about whether like why it's the case that like people think that their money just has to come from touring and royalties. I don't know. I think it's like a lot of it is like getting good management that's going to help think about like your future and like setting you up with something that's not just like, let's just tour a lot right now because maybe you're a hot artist and it's going to work, which is like definitely a strategy to take. But it's like, you know, I've heard like um, my management talk about like catalogs, for example, like Mm -hmm. owning, owning your music and owning your masters so that one day you could potentially sell that off and, you know, be set or you're, or you're just getting in residual income. I think, Calvin Harris sold his like, I mean, he's a crazy example, but I think he sold his publishing catalog for like three hundred million dollars or something. One hundred fifty-five million. He sold. He sold his catalog. Half yeah, of yeah. that. It's still a fuck ton of money. It's 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 yeah. That's you're well, set forever. Obviously, that's like the extreme example, but um, yeah. But there's, you know, I think like for ex- we don't we our music doesn't go to that level, right? So it's like okay, you scale down from that. It's still a shit ton of money for us. Like if you if you scale down to what our levels is like, let's say somebody offered you two million, two three million. It's like it's it's also like it's the lottery it's, right there. It's not the. It's that's of your past catalog, so that doesn't necessarily mean anything in the future is gonna get. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so a lot of it is past. It's not future. Sometimes it's for for the life. It depends on the deal, but a lot of these deals are like past catalogs. So it's it's it everything in the future is still getting that can be sold again. Um, so it's it, but it's also it's like what can you on the business side of things, right? It's like what can you do with an injection of cash of that much money to then create generational wealth, and and how can you like let's say for instance somebody gave you five million like what could you do with that five million to then go and build something else that creates 50 million 100 million or and then you're it's completely that's that for me that's the thing with what everyone's doing with their selling their catalog or the bigger guys are selling their catalog it's it's not about being rich it's about what can you do with that money and and 
yes, they probably would have made more money over uh, 10 years or 50 years of their music being like slowly throughout the, but they're not getting an injection of cash of that much to then go and invest in other things. Yeah, I think there's definitely like, you have to have a really good reason to do that where, yeah, you're probably, you know, setting your family up or, or, or something like that. Um, I do think that because like the way a lot of people stumble into, especially in house and um, techno and electronic music in general, the way they stumble into a position of like being an artist, like no one teaches you these things. No one tells you how to like, you know, even just in life, like no one really like they don't. This goes back to the school stuff. It's like I never learned finance stuff in school. Exactly. I never learned yeah. how to do my taxes or how to how much should I be putting in to my retirement account every year. And it gets even more complicated when you work for yourself because there's like yeah, there's not like a structure to it as much. Mm. Um, I do think like for any artists that are listening, like you know, try to think of other ways to supplement your income because yeah. a lot of the guys that you may be looking up to you may think that like, oh, they're just playing all these festivals and getting like paid and and that's it. But most of the time it's actually, there's a, there's a ton of other business going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, you know, like for me, like I'm thinking like 10 years from now, it's like, I want to be in like management too. Like I want to help like mm. manage other artists' careers and stuff and, and still be an artist and, you know, and own a label soon and, and all this stuff. So it's like, just, yeah, I would just say like, challenge the status quo of of how you think things are running and take that risk you know even if it's just and I, the, the cool thing is i see a lot of people doing now like um music production lessons and yeah. coaching and stuff and i think it's a great business when i started it i was like there's no way anyone's gonna pay this much and you'd be so surprised the amount of fans and and people that you know want to yeah. support you and, and pay for things it's like uh, that's one thing i've just learned in this business is like never uh, there's a quote for this and I can't remember, but never like judge people's like wallet size. You know, people are always down to support and invest and things like this. So, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think it's, um, I, so during towards coming out of the pandemic, I had a Patreon, one of the guys from Patreon in the UK, uh, hit me up and was like, look, we want to get you on Patreon. Like, would you be down? And I, I've always been like really weirded out by like asking fans for money. If that makes sense. It's like always. I feel been, like I've heard about you say this in another podcast mm, episode or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And it's always like a weird concept to me that it's like, I should just be able to give them everything for free. And, but I think also like if, and when I, when I sat down with him and, and kind of had the conversation and he was like, absolutely not. Everyone pays for everything. And if they like it, they're going to pay for it. And whether it's, two dollars a month or whether it's a hundred dollars a month they will pay what they can afford and what what your value is to to them and i think it's like it's like with the podcast like the podcast we've just signed it to a to a bigger deal but it's still like i've i just do this for the fun of it there's like zero at this moment in time there's zero money in it for me if you know what i mean i make there's nothing although now people listen to is there might be ads coming in now and again if you know what I mean just because we've signed a deal but like realistically it's still not paying for itself um but it's it's a really I think that is the the attitude of a lot of artists is that it's like I feel grateful that people were even fucking listening to me and I should just give that to them for free but it's then also it's like well hang on they're all 
earning money doing what they're doing, the people that are listening, like there's no reason why you shouldn't be earning money. Yeah, I think it comes down to also like not for me, it was definitely like a big insecurity, which is like, am I qualified to be doing this? Like, you know, am I at the level where like I can, you know, charge people to teach them this stuff? And it kind of just goes back to like simple supply and demand. Like if people, um, you know, they don't have to pay for it. They don't have to get your service if they don't want to. And if they want it, they do. Great. Um, And so it kind of goes down to like breaking your ego a little bit and, uh, and, or, or, pushing it up from underneath and saying, yeah, I, I can't do this. I can't charge my time for this. You know, same thing with like a, a DJ set. Sometimes like I'll, I'll DJ and I'll be like, you know, like we said before is like DJing can be so easy. I'm like, I'm getting paid to just, you know, have fun and do this. Mm. And it's like, I know there's so much more that goes into it and getting people in the venue and, you know, the years of hard work and, yeah. and what your name means to them and stuff. But sometimes I'm like, yeah, this is pretty easy. Like, you know, like yeah. there's people that are, in a construction site hammering some building for an hour and they're getting paid $15 and you know, that work is way harder than what I'm doing. So it's, it's the world we live in is kind of fucked up, but that's just kind of how it is. Well, it's capitalism, isn't it? Right. It's capitalism. Capitalism, baby. At its greatest. If you can sell a thousand tickets, you're worth at a hundred dollars each. You're worth that much money. Like it's just a fax. If you, are working on a construction site, you're worth how much your value is to that building contractor. And it's or how to or if they can get someone else to do that, you cheaper. know, for the same thing. Exactly. Replace replaceability. Um but we're all replaceable yeah, never, as well. Yes, yeah, so we definitely are replaceable. Like I agree with you. We we <laughs> are one hundred and there's there's a, enough space for everybody in the industry, but there's also somebody better than you that can sell more tickets than you in every case. I think of it, think of it like the NBA kind of, it's like, you could be like the top center on this team, like right now, but, but at that moment in time, there are 30 kids that are five years younger than you that are seven feet tall that are coming to, you know, take your spot in a few years. And it's like, you know, it's like the Tiestos, they're like the LeBrons that have kind of maintained themselves the whole time. And it's like, I, I think I like that though, because the competitiveness for me, like a lot of people talk about, especially on social media, not comparing and and um, and things like that. But I, I like the competitive competitiveness of the space because it's like a big motivating factor for me. It's like if I don't work hard and you know um, make things that people can connect to and relate to, it's like I'll be out of here soon, and I don't want that. So it's. I, I think it can be a big motivator. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you, but I don't work like that, I think. Yeah. I'm very fucking competitive, but to myself. And there's like a few artists that I'm like, why the fuck are they getting that? Like I like brutally honest. Like why like that is not good. And but then I also have to take my ego out of it and go, people there's demand. So if there's demand, yeah. then they're clearly way more demand than me then it's a sick it's not jealousy it's it's more like envious really um but that competitive but but also i can't compare myself to that person because i'm not trying to be that person i'm not trying to make that that music i'm not trying to do the shows where they're doing the shows i'm trying to do my own thing so it's like 
I understand what you're saying, the competitiveness, because it's like, I want to be the fucking best in the world. But I'm only, I can't compete against anybody else. For me, in my view, I can't compete against you. I don't make West End music. Like, and, and I never will because I can never, I could never do it, if you know what I mean. I, I agree with you 100% because I think that once you start comparing, um, that is like the thief of joy, right? And it, it just makes everything worse, right? Like your, your art will become worse. Yeah. Your, you know, your vibe, everything like that. For me, it's like, I know how competitive the landscape is in a sense of that. Like, you know, it is a reality. It's like, there's this many slots at a festival, right? And, mm, yes, you know, totally. you want the best for yourself. Totally. You want like, you, you know, there is a hierarchy to these things. And so I think what you said before about competing against yourself is like, knowing that that's the case and like you know if you are the kind of person that really wants to drive yourself it's like working you know improving yourself and yeah. getting you know working harder than you did before to to reach your goals so to speak yeah. um and it's yeah it, i think it, it's not like a pretty thing to think about because ideally everyone wins and everyone does everything yeah, together yeah. and we all have yeah. space and and whatever but that's just like the unfortunate situation is like you know, clubs are only open Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And so there's a limit on who's coming into those clubs and, and when and, and, and all of these things. And so, um, I don't know. I think it's, you just need a healthy balance. For me, that's how I, I like it. I guess my question to that, though, or my counter to that is you're 100% right. Like, there are only a certain amount of lineups you can get on. But what if what if you're what you're writing musically is never going to get you to that level as of i i'm not saying for me for for example but like if you wanted to be the biggest dj in the world or the biggest producer whatever but you're only writing like super like underground shit or you're not writing records that like are gonna fit to that sound do you then go i have to change my sound and then i have to go and make what everyone else is making or do you go well i'm just going to stick to what i'm making and just keep growing and growing and growing what's what would you do in that situation because like we're we're in a very commercial situation right like you and i like like kind of sides apart we're in the same stratosphere of like we can play festivals and we can do that and but like for like a new artist coming through is like they can look at us and go i want to be doing what west end or will clark is or even bigger like i want to be doing what fish is i want to be doing what john summit is but like if they go and make john summit music if they go and make west end music if they go and make will clark music if they go and make fisher music they're not going to be as big as fish they're not going to be as big as john they're not going to be as big as us so it's like what how do you kind of balance that it's interesting i i think um i think it is the balance always um but it's usually the people that like come to the top aren't the people that are like like you just said like if you want to be playing the peak time slot at the main stage at edc right mm you're not going to get there by seeing who's doing that now and, and, and kind of copying them. Um, I think it's actually more about the people than it is about the music. Um, I think people that are really successful in this industry, it's more about 
the really, really successful ones, the reason why they're there is the music has to be really, really fucking good, but it's yeah. more about who they are as a person, which is a totally separate conversation and, and story. Um, but yeah, going back to, you know, I would never make something that I don't like to try to get somewhere because yeah. at the end of the day, you're, it's just going to feel like icky, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, it just doesn't for me feel like me, you know? Um, so I think it's like, it's all about like the context of like what your space is, right? Like, I don't want to be on the main stage of EDC playing to all those people at peak time. Like, that's not my yeah. personal goals. Like, that's not the stage I want to be on. I've been on stages like that in like other settings that I've been like, oh, I really don't like this at all. Mm. Um, I don't like being on festivals that are like super... I mean, it depends, but like very like multi-genre festivals where you feel like the people don't really understand the music. Yeah. Um, I hate playing frat parties because it's like I do it a lot, but like the, the kids don't give a shit about electronic music. They just want to party. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think there are like cases where you have to just like know what you want. Um, and yeah, a lot of it now is it's less about the music. It's more about how you present yourself. Like take someone like Fred again, like his music doesn't scream. Like if you heard it a few years ago, it doesn't scream like sell out the shrine three nights in a row type situation. But, yeah. um, you know, he was able to like really connect with people over the pandemic and in the way he kind of presented his music yeah. on social media. And it's fucking really good music um, where the, now that is the case, you know, someone like Elenium's music, I don't think like, it, like to me, it, it doesn't make sense for that kind of like main stage thing, but he has so many fans because he's been doing it so long and kind of got there. So mm. if I had the answer, I feel like that's like the magic question, right? There is no formula to like how you make a really successful act like that, but there isn't that. And I think a lot of it is luck. Huge amount of it is luck. Luck and timing. Right place, right time. Yeah. That's what I think it is. And, and, and for me, like, I, go on, carry on. So I was just going to say quickly, like part of the reason why I think I've had a, a good year in the last two years has been um, timing. So mm. I've been making like house oriented music for the last like six years. Like I used to make stuff. I got into making house music in like 2016. So yeah. I pretty much had like four years of like production um, making house music and then tech house specifically the kind that I make gets really popular with people yeah. like John and Chris Lake right at this time where I already am like making it. I'm good at making it. I know a lot of people that are doing it yeah, yeah. and got lucky, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. It was the same with me with dirty bird really like it. it that's how it started really for me. But, but mine was more like a strategic thing where I was like, I know I need to be part of something so what do I need to do to be part of it and then go from there? I I still love the music, but it was just like, I, what do I need to do to get to the next level, if that makes sense? I think it's interesting. Also, like I think about this is like, um, if you were to do something that you don't like totally love just yeah. to set yourself up in the music industry financially or like strategically, and then, and I, you see a lot of people do this, and then start like a side project where it's like kind of something else. Like every big DJ that is like in the commercial space in the last few years has now has like some techno side project or yeah. um, some deep house or something like that because it's like 
you know, once you're kind of financially stable in that sense, then there's less like risk to trying something, even if it doesn't sell, like, you know, someone like Oliver Heldens, like he super successful as Oliver Heldens. And then he has high low, which he's also really successful. Super he's successful. a really good producer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm sure when Hilo first started, it wasn't, you know, you have to build that up, that yeah. project from the start kind of, but you already have an advantage because, you know, you have a team around you and you, you kind of know what to do. So that's something I've definitely thought about. It was like, oh, five years from now, would I want to start like a side project for some of my other interests in electronic mm-hmm. music? Like the stuff I make now is not like the only stuff I like. Like I love a lot of other stuff, yeah. but it just doesn't make sense for me to kind of ADD and like try to do all that at once because it doesn't fit like a nice brand that you can present. So it's really tough, especially when people don't like change. Yeah. I don't know why they don't like change. They hate none of us like change. Like who is your favorite band when you were a kid? Like, let's say just say like Linkin Park. Right. And then they bought out hybrid theory and then they bought out like Meteora and then they bought out the fucking most random album ever. And you're like, I know I want another hybrid theory. I want another Meteora. Like, I don't want the shit you're giving me now. But then you live with it for a bit longer. And you're like, oh, this is actually a really cool evolution. But like straight away, you don't want that. Yeah, I feel like being being able to do that is like a privilege that a lot of artists don't get to or or have. Um, Being able to experiment and do something. It's like Drake, for example. Like he puts out that house album right i feel like everyone that was like a drake fan like didn't like it like the only people that liked it were like did you like it um i like listened to it once through i don't really like yeah i listened to it once through (laughs) and i was like but i don't really like drake and i don't really listen to non-electronic music that much so i even though that was like an electronic album i was like there was some songs i was like i like it but i wasn't like wow you know i like um, no disrespect to drake and like some of the producers involved were fucking great but like i thought it was weak as shit like i i I agree yeah i like i'm like i'm not being horrible but like i'm this is my opinion and i'm clearly wrong because he's way more successful than me so this is just my silly little opinion but for an artist the level of drake like I would, ex- my expectations would in for an electronic album, my expectations would be way higher. Um, I think that's fair. For yeah. Sure. Like Swedish house mafia, new album or that came out last year. Unbelievable. Like, I don't know if you've checked it out. I actually didn't listen to that one. No, I, I haven't listened to like through. I know, I know some of the songs from it. Fucking um, unbelievable. But... And I was like, this is exactly what I did not expect. And it's exactly what I wanted to hear. Like unbelievable. Um, Beyonce's album's okay. It's cool, but it's okay. It's like, there's a couple records that I like, Um, but I, I, I'm talking like the likes of like, yeah, you're right. There's not many artists that get to do what they get to do what the fuck they want. Floating points. It's fucking unbelievable. Like, do you, I don't know if are you aware of any of his stuff? Uh, I've listened. I, I know I've listened to a few things on Spotify and every time, like sometimes it'll show up on like my release radar or something. And I'm like, dude, the like this shit is fucking sick. I think he's playing with Fortet in at, at Avant Gardner yeah. this year. I'm definitely going to go to that. Yeah, you I'm should like, go. This he's, is my vibe. It's a good show that they do together. But like 
He's he's ha- he's won awards for like best jazz album. Yeah, it's crazy. And then makes crazy jungle and like, but I, <sighs> there's not many people that can do that, right? There's not many people that can just like do what the fuck they want. You need it's a, a luxury, lot, man. Yeah, you need a lot of support. You need a lot of the right people behind you. You need a good team, and you also need to be really fucking good. It's like to be able to go into the jazz world and then go into the jungle world and the electronic world and be able to do both and everyone be like, yeah, this dude's fucking great. Like there's not many people that are that good at everything, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think like in electronic, I think it's a little bit easier because it's, especially with like house music, like it's the the worlds are, are, are kind of similar enough. Like for example, let's say, I mean, maybe this is not the best example, but like Calvin Harris um what is it love regenerator love regenerator yeah love regenerator right like when that was coming out during the pandemic i was obsessed i was like this is so fucking sick and i was like it's so cool for someone that is known for such commercial music to be doing totally stuff like this yeah um and so yeah for me or or another thing i thought about is like doing like a collaborative project with someone Mm. that's another really great way to like kind of do something that's tangential to, to what you're currently doing like yeah I I, you know I, I saw claude and like velvet do get real but like when i was coming up and i was like yeah. that's so cool like two artists get to come together and do that so you know i i think having that option as well um but yeah it's just a luxury man because like right friends, now i'm just, are you just friends like, with claude again <laughs> uh i haven't i mean i've never really like been connected with him like on a personal level like yeah hung out a few times at shows he's signed some of my music to the label yeah um but we never like bonded or connected but yeah everyone always like that twitter little debacle was like so funny <laughs> people were like texting me that day like what's going on and i was like i don't know man like i really don't know <laughs> do you want to just say a bit of context or do you want yes to talk yes about i'll it? give some context um so i had a tweet that was um it was, it was, it said dirty bird from like 2016 to 2019 or something. I forgot the exact dates, but it was like, it was such a special era. Um, and I think in one of the replies to it, someone was like, Oh, what do you think about the stuff that's coming out today? And I was like, uh, I haven't really like listened much, but, or, or I said something like, it doesn't really hit for me. Like the, the other stuff does, but like, it was like a very kind of just like neutral answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think Claude had seen that response and seen my original tweet. And he, I can't remember the exact words he tweeted. It was really funny, but it was something like, like West End, get my label's name out your mouth, you cornball. Or something that he didn't say cornball, but like something about me being a, I, I wish I could pull it up right now. Kind of like, just so like trying commercial music or something. Yeah, maybe. I took a screenshot um, because, like, I I'm butchering the like what he said, and it was kind of important. West End, Claude. Oh, he did delete it. He did delete it. I know I have it on my phone somewhere because I screenshotted it because I sent it to my managers. I was like, what the fuck's going on? Um, but yeah, basically something. I can't remember exactly. And then we kind of like went at it a little bit on Twitter. I was like. Dude, like you're all about like positivity. All I was saying was that I really like the music from this time from your label. It, it meant a lot to me. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know why he kind of had that reaction to me. I think it was just like a little hot handed, like Twitter kind of thing where, um, you know, 
he felt maybe that I was kind of dissing what he's doing now. Yeah. Um, really, and it was funny because like on the original tweet, like the Dirty Bird account was like, we love you or like put like a heart emoji or something. So, you know, I, w- I was just like really confused, but he ended up apologizing and he was like, yeah, you're right. Like I shouldn't have been so negative about that. Um, but yeah, we haven't really spoken since. I didn't know he apologized. Fair play for him for doing that. As long as he apologized. Yeah, he- he apologized like within the hour pretty much because i was like look you're all about like dirty buzz all about like positivity and love and like this just seems like a little weird i I spoke to some people about it and like my consensus is that like it's a sore subject for him um here's the thing i don't like talking about this on a public forum because i feel like maybe i i don't know what he's thinking but what i could possibly see is that like you know, there, there was definitely some falling outs at Dirty Bird, like Justin Martin kind of, I don't really know exactly what happened, but it seemed like left the label in not such a happy state uh, or left working with them. Um, a lot of like artists that like you would see maybe moved on to do different things. Maybe they weren't as successful on charts and things like that as they have been. I still think the music they put out is great and the artwork and everything, but maybe that was kind of touching on that a little mm-hmm. bit and uh it could have been a sore subject so i think it was a sore subject but I, I don't also think what you said was wrong so is what it is it's, it's kind of a little bit of a harsh reality but um yeah i think it was definitely sore and, I, I don't you know no, I, I don't mean that for me saying like i i don't i think we're allowed our opinions and yes like for us Twitter is a fucking awful tool. You and you're the fucking king at it. You you love Twitter and you talk a lot of shit. And not you you don't talk shit, but you do talk shit. And I don't mean that in a horrible way. It's like you're you're good at using Twitter for what Twitter is, and I respect that. Like I fucking respect that. Um, and I think with <coughs> Dirty Bird. The thing that I've seen from Stephen, but like Dirty Bird gave me my career. Fuck, full on, like it was a huge part of my career, um, and in my opinion, like the Dirty Bird before I signed to Dirty Bird was the best years of Dirty Bird because it was the music that I grew up on listening to. Like the very first record that they released was fucking amazing. Justin Martin, like the stuff Justin used to put out in Dirty Bird was unbelievable. Um, and the family that we all had was unbelievable. It was, it was amazing, but it doesn't always last forever. And, and that's absolutely fine. And I think like I've spoken to Barkley many of times and I'm, wouldn't say anything that I'm not supposed to. Um, but, but Dirty Bird has gone in and out of fashion multiple times in their, in its lifetime. People Chris Lake has gone in and out of fashion multiple times. Tiesto has gone in in and out of fashion multiple times. Carl Cox has gone in and out of fashion multiple times. But they come back. And it's whether or not you can notice as the owner of the label or as the artist that's going in and out of fashion, it's whether or not you can look at yourself in the mirror and go, I need to change I need to evolve to move forward. And if I'm not evolving, then I'm it's going to end eventually. And if, if I'm happy with the ending, then that's fine. But I think that is a harsh reality that we all have to have with each other. I've had it with myself yeah, on a much smaller scale. But like 
in on Dirty Bird's situation, I've, if you ask me, and I would say this to Barkley, there's, there's things has to change. You have to move forward. You have to you have to bring back what it was about, or find something new of what it's about, and and evolve with the times. The times are completely changed since even since COVID, it's completely changed. Yeah, I I think for me that that I, it kind of just goes back to what we were talking about before of like, um, yeah, you you always have to adapt, you always have to evolve, and uh, I think you have to love the process of like taking on that challenge because if you don't yeah. love that the challenge in and of itself then it becomes a problem because then you're either kind of stuck trying to do something that's not going to work or you just are indifferent and, um, you know, letting things, it may just die out. I think that the conversation you had with like Mark Knight was like really eye-opening uh, as an artist of like yeah. setting expectations and not always like, you know, cause like you always think that like I'm here but like we're we're going this way, yeah. you know, my camera's cutting off. But we're we're keep on going up and up and up, and like admitting that maybe like you are here and it's that that way now, or even it's that way, and like being okay with that, and yeah. like not letting your ego get in the way, um, is it's super weird as an artist to do because we're always like, oh, there's got to be more. We can't give mm. up now, you know. We yeah. gotta. Um, so for me, yeah, that conversation really kind of like changed perspectives on things a little bit. Um, I'm still very much in we're going up, baby. Yeah. Like this, we're not stopping this train. But uh yeah, and and you know, you're right. The the things that stay, things go in and out of fashion all the time. And it's more about you doing you and yeah. um slightly tweaking things to kind of mm -hmm. get it to yeah. get the puzzle to fit the piece, but not really losing who you are. Like I'm sure Kyle Cox, you know, he's been doing the same thing for whatever 30 years now or, or however long he's been yeah. around um and i'm sure he's got a smart team that's able to kind of adapt with the times and stuff yeah. and and you know he's had his ups and downs but um yeah it's 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 you do you and you do what you're good at and you know and you keep going along or they Just won't fucking keep going keep going we never stop baby no, you can't you we can't. don't stop um talking of record labels um are we allowed to talk about yours or not what record label? Okay, so we're not. Oh yeah, we did talk about. No, no, we are, we are, we are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot we had a whole phone conversation about this. Yeah. Sorry, I was opening my blinds a little. I was getting dark in here. I thought it was gonna um, be a moody in there. But. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, there's not much to talk about at the moment. Um, but for people that are listening, definitely going to be doing a record label this year. Cool. Um, just because you know, I think it's like it's something I've always wanted to own and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before is like um you know an additional business within the big business yeah. and uh especially like creatively like i think it's hard as an artist like to really get um visual art yeah as a dj out there without something like that because you know i a lot of times i sign my music to other people's labels so i don't really have control yeah. over like what I do a little bit over the art and vibe, but not much. And to like really like own something like that and create a brand. And, uh, you know, for me, it's not just like, I don't want whatever my record label to be, to just be like, here's the music and yeah. here's the album artwork. Like I really want it to be something that people can relate to and, yeah. uh, um, connect with. So yeah, it's going to be a big project. It's going to be a lot of work to do, but I'm really excited to, to start tackling it. 
what's the whole um like the whole branding side of things with it is like are you because i know we spoke about branding and and kind of where you wanted to take it and i you might not want to talk about it which is absolutely fine um we don't need to know names or anything like that but i guess like what's your and and i kind of want to know with west end as the branding behind west end as well and like how do you manage all of that how do you what's the like creativity behind all of that how do you what's the process yeah so for the label right now that's it's funny like right before we hopped on this call i was literally talking with people about that Mm. um yeah, I'm I'm really bad at branding. Like it's not my strong suit. Um, and it never has been. Like when I started West End, um, so I used to be in like a duo project called C and T. Okay. Terrible branding, right? It was just our first letters of each of our names. C and T. Oh yeah, wow. C and T. Um yeah. terrible, right? Did, we, I saw anyone... Walker and Royce. I was like, oh, let's just do that. Uh, okay. Yeah. What okay. were you gonna say? Did everyone no, I don't worry. It's fine. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So like once I left that and I was like, I want to uh start my own solo project i needed a name really quickly and i grew up on west end avenue in manhattan and Mm. i really wanted something with a w because i just like the 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 letter w it's like very will right it's very empowering letter yeah um and i think i I was listening to a lot of dirty bird at the time so like i really like the worthy's name like it was just like nice short and sweet yeah had a w on it so i was like okay west end one word starts with w Let's go for it. Um, later now being like build on festivals, I regret it so much because <laughs> I mean you you can really we're at the fucking last line on the bottom. I think we're I think there's two good things to be A or W. The front and the bottom. Yeah. Because then you, your middle, no one can see it. No one fucking knows you if you're a fucking G. But what if it's like a lineup where it's like clearly tiered out? So it's very visible, but you're just like the last one then it's like you know it's better to be a a yeah. is definitely the best a is the best any artist that want to start a name just fucking be a or a number 999 always number. wins nine nines yeah, always wins well wouldn't one be better or no? one would be better or zero so start start your name with zero but no because then you're gonna call you're gonna start with a z or a z as you guys say no but the with the, the numerical zero the numerical and then put like a Z yeah. in it. And then you're like exclamation point. Start with the character. <laughs> that that pizza. We're like going through like the code of like what comes first alphabetically. Fuck. Uh yeah. Okay, yeah. So I started West End and there was no like idea or concept to it. Mm. Um like you know, a lot of like artists, like let's say like marshmallow, that's like the most branded artist I yeah. could think of, right? You're literally it's a play on like a food, you wear a helmet, you wear all white all your everything kind of like makes sense with like the music for me like i didn't think of any of that stuff i was just like i'm making music this is my name i'm gonna make whatever music i want blah 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 um so i've never really had like a very clear artistic artistic or visual brand or even like a concept to play off of yeah which i used to get like insecure about because i was like oh it'd be so cool to wear a ski mask and do this and like it sells more tickets and blah 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 and i've kind of accepted the point that it's like i am just myself and that's who i put out in the world and that's my brand right this is me um so yeah that that's kind of like the west end stuff and uh for the label that this is where i'm like i can actually have some fun with this and like create a concept that i wasn't able to do before yeah um 
and I have no idea what I'm going to do. That's I got to figure it hey, out. So you still like not some, there yet? No, no. Because like we talked before the holiday break and I haven't, I've just kind of been on holiday. Um, And the the, the good thing is that I have a lot of time on my hands, so I really can like flesh it out. But there's some things that are playing in my mind. I'm not going to, I don't want to ruin anything or potentially jinx it. So, um, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be, you know, visually really engaging. Like that's super important to me. Yeah. Um, I want like merch to make sense. And yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a good time, but uh, it's all still it. in my head. Don't rush it, man, because it's like for me, for my label, it took me a year to get to where I, I knew where I wanted it to be. Even just the name. The name took so long. It's hard, yeah. So long. And it's like, for it me, is. it was like, I don't want it to be anything to do with Will Clark because I want it to be able to stand on its own two feet. I don't want it to be like related to my name because what if my name goes down at some point and then the label's still there like the label still needs to carry on um so did you think about like um you know i i mean obviously yeah you did because i remember you know when you some of the first artwork you know very clock oriented and like time oriented and you know i'm not gonna put words in your mouth but it's like being in the present and stuff Mm -hmm. so you know you really thought of that whole concept out before you Oh mate, a Put year. Anything, we, right? we it took us a year. It was like a year of hashing lab. out, and then it was. It was then. I think it was like just after the summer of 2019. I was trying to work out all the all the name of like I didn't have a fucking clue with the name, and I had like a mood board of everything that I kind of wanted to kind of get across in the brand, and there was a a neon sign that said all we have is now and it would just always i would always go back to that and i was like branding wise this is a really shit name because it's a fucking long name it's a lot of words it's a lot of words but like the sentiment behind it is exactly what i want to kind of get across to people um so yeah i'm i just decided on that and then from then on it kind of was like okay all we have is now clock kind of hand and then we created a logo but it looked it looked kind of similar to what something that chris lake had done the black book thing or whatever yeah but it so chris did an artwork with like him holding it was like a hand it was like an old artwork it wasn't necessarily black it was like an old one and i sent it to him i was like is this a bit close to you and he's like it's not but i was like i have to it is too close if i'm asking him it's too close like it's so i i can't do it so it was like okay how do we then move away from that um because i wanted to completely move away from like everything that I was kind of related to, to a certain extent, like it was, I had left Dirty Bird already. It was like my sound was going more European kind of, I guess I don't like to say, but more techno, but like, so it was like, and then I had created this sound where I needed to kind of completely separate myself from everybody else and all kind of um, associations. So it's like, it can't look like anything else. It can't relate to anything else. It has to be just completely its own thing. Um, and then it took us like three months to get the branding on point. And then when we got the branding on point, like I still hate the original artworks of the records. 
like now. Like we didn't nail it at the time, but. But did you like them at the time? If I truly ask myself, not a hundred percent. I liked them, but I wasn't a hundred percent. I think it's. I think we said about like um, showing Chris that example is like uh, very relatable for me because. Uh, I think a lot of times, like it's a small space that we're in yeah. for the most part, right? Um, and it's so easy to get influenced by what other people are doing, not just yeah. in like a branding thing, but just like musically kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. And even if you don't mean to do it, sometimes things like subconsciously yeah. get in there and then express themselves. And you have to be like, oh, wait, this is not really, mm-hmm. you know, this is too close to this. But you didn't like the frustrating thing is like you didn't even like, mean to do it. It's no. like, no. It's, so it's, for me, it's like I'm almost trying to take inspiration like completely outside of like the electronic music so, scene so or at least it. the house scene because it's like I don't even want any doubt in my mind that something is close to something mm. else or something like that. Yeah, it's really interesting. Then they'll eat me up forever. We're, we're kind of in the process as well. Probably by the time this comes out, maybe like some of it would have been put out, but we're going through like a rebrand of like Will Clark. Um, is this the, the photo shoot you just did? One of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That fucking photo shoot. I love that outfit, man. Sick, right? I'll send you some of the photos when, like, when they were done, but yeah. It's spaceman vibes. Yeah. And but for me it's like okay, when we go to like the create the creative agency and we I'm like, okay, what are the influence of Will Clark that's completely not electronic music? Completely not even music. It's like what do I want to be perceived as that's got nothing to do with music? And then that will be the most authentic thing to me because it's like just what I love. It's what I like to look at. It's what I like. If if that could be Will Clark on the wall in that magazine, that's what it would look like. And that's how I... It's taken me ages to get there, though. It's taken me ages to work that out. It's super hard. And, uh, yeah, like I saw... Um, I don't know if you follow SG Lewis on Instagram, yeah, but I don't, he recently no, I don't. did... Uh, we, we hung out at Holy Ship, super nice guy. Yeah. Um, both found out that we love like fishing together, which was like super random. And he he did something recently on Instagram, which was like a collab with like Nokia or something. It was like some like flip phone kind of thing, but yeah. basically like he he it was like him going fishing and kind of talking about like the flip side. Like this is like I like to play all these shows and make all this music, and mm. like the flip side is like I kind of go and go fishing and i was like the way they executed this video yeah um it's so it's so clean and perfect and like a concept like that for me um when i would think about that in my head for like because i'm a huge fisherman i absolutely love it yeah i could never like find a way to like tell that story like i always like oh that's so random from electronic music like how do you Mm. create like something that could like involve that really and just like seeing someone do something like that i'm like wow these professionals really know how to take something like a concept and make it kind of work and make the the imagery work and it's it's a skill in and of itself like like you said like if you had like this aesthetic they're like this is will this is like what i'm like is like getting that into something that you can like present to people Mm -hmm. that's like the really hard part um but yeah, I'm super excited to like kind of go down that rabbit hole and think, figure that out. I think it goes question. I think it goes back to what we were saying right at the beginning with different businesses in the industry, right? It's like you you like fishing. That's you. Like that's that's truly you as 
whether you want to share that or not on social media or to your fans, it's still you. And if you can bring that into something that adds to your brand, it adds to your brand. And I think it's very hard to do, but if it's executed correctly, it's fucking amazing. And it, it actually widens you as a human being and as an artist on like another level. Like for me, the some of the biggest artists in the world, or my, not necessarily the biggest artists in the world, but some of the artists that I respect the most is like Action Bronson. He's like, was overweight, fat dude, eating, doing, doing Fuck Me It's Delicious on, I don't know if you know Action Bronson. I love Action Bronson. Yeah. He's from Queens, from which Queens, is like where yeah. I live now. So, yeah. so like he he did the food show. He's the rapper. He's uh, art, like he paints. He's now this crazy fucking fitness dude. Like it's it's everything and he does everything really well. And I think that's the thing is like <clears throat> if you can do as many things that you're passionate about really well and you have a team that can kind of bring everything together in a way that it makes sense for everybody, you're literally laughing because you have endless supply of business because you can just do what the fuck you want. Yeah, I think the thing for me that's like not the counter, but like the scary thing about that is like then do you have to be like, you know, I guess you don't have to, but it's like do you have to then show your all yourself to everyone? You know, because it's like that guy... It's like at this point, like if you're a fan of Action Bronson, it's not really about the music. It's just like I'm a fan of this person mm-hmm. kind of. I think like Fish is another great example is like he's just like a one of a kind like human and a yeah. Fisher. And, yeah. um, you know, most people that are fans of Fisher, they probably love his music, but they probably love him yeah. um, even more. And yeah, it's all about like telling that story and getting that out there. Um, but I think in this industry, it's so easy to, like we said, like to just box it up into... Yep. Here's that Spotify link. Here's yep. that video of me at the show. And there are DJs and, and artists that do that. And I see them, I kind of suffer on social media, especially like with the way the algorithms work today is yeah. like, they just don't really show themselves. And I feel like I don't really know who they are. Yeah, I know what their music sounds like. I know what the back of their head looks like at shows. And I know, you know, maybe a little bit, but it's like, I, people want to know like who you are and what you like and just getting that out there can yeah. be, you know, the the best tool to kind of grow and as an artist and grow your business. I agree. I think it's like, it's changed. Times have changed compared to what it used to be, right? It used to be like the artist is like the sacred person, right? Social media just completely wiped all of that. Like the only way you could find out about an artist was like an interview or a magazine, like an interview on, on TV or like early YouTube days or a magazine interview like that's the only way you could find out anything about people right now you can dm your biggest hit i could go dm beyonce right now wild (laughs) flex baby wild no everyone could if you know what i mean and that's the thing is like the accessibility so it's like you can have people want to know you more personable and it's like everyone's time's valuable so for them to invest time into you, sometimes they need a little bit more back. I think it's it's 
when I think about that, I also think about like, there are some super successful artists today, especially in the more underground and like techno world that still are kind of like the enigma a little bit. And that mm. plays into their brand. Totally. Like I, like I remember I was like, I wonder what Solomon sounds like. Like I've never like heard him like speak. Yeah. So like I went on YouTube and like watched some interviews and I was like, oh, this guy actually like did speak to someone at some point. But like you'll never see like Solomon like on like his Instagram story, like, yo guys, what's up? <laughs> like, you know, that doesn't yeah. that no, doesn't he's DJing. He's too busy brand. DJing. Exactly. But like I or like Tale of Us, for example, like those guys would never no. do anything like that. But their brand is so strong, both visually and like creatively that it kind of like, you don't need that. Like, it's just, it's, it's a vibe. So I think there's like, the nice thing is that there's many ways to do it. If you are like, you know, if you don't want to talk to anyone ever, like you don't have to, like there's um, tons of artists that like, don't do anything like that. But yeah, you, I got like such a flashback when you were talking about like YouTube interviews, because I just remember being like a fan in like 2000, like 11, 12, 13. And just like, all my favorite artists at the time just like watching any interview i could find on youtube and just you know being not like obsessed with them but just like any little story oh that's so cool the way they said that or something like that it's like it's definitely a phenomena to it um resident advisor used to do amazing like amazing kind of mini documentaries and there was one on the martinez brothers that i literally probably watched 20 times like it was just like wow yeah, it's so just like unbelievable, unbelievably well done. Um, yeah, no. I love electronic music documentaries and stuff. Same. Like they're, I, I need to like watch them more. But um, yeah, like I feel like Pete Tong's done really good ones and like telling stories like that. Have you seen Paris is Burning? I have not. I send it to you. It's great. It's a documentary or no? Yeah, it's a documentary, and I'll send you a couple on. They're like old ones um but what's that movie there's like a isn't there a movie um that's kind of about like house music and like raving it's like a british movie it's like kind of old train spotting maybe i'm really bad with like some classic movies so yeah i've like it or no it's about rave culture there's a lot there's quite a few movies though but train spotting was probably the most famous like film that was like i've never seen it about is that british rave culture and like drug taking and raves and shit like that is it is it a must watch it's not this is controversial but it's not actually my favorite but it's good it's culturally it's like it's a cult film um yeah but is it my favorite no what was that one with zach efron um it was like about like 128 bpm or whatever <laughs> i don't know but i didn't watch that you definitely watched that didn't you I didn't, but um, <laughs> I just remember I have like some artist friends that music was like featured, and they got like a nice little paycheck from that. I think um, I think Dom Dalla had one of his songs in that movie with Go Freak. It was like, did he really? I forgot which one it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like that that came out in like twenty. That was about like EDM, yeah, like yeah. real like twenty fourteen EDM. But I feel like someone should do a movie. I don't know. I feel like now it's. I, pref- I like what the scene's going on now, but I feel like it's not cool enough to like have a movie about it. I think that's cool. There's cool parts of the scene though. Um, I think like, did you ever see the Swedish house mafia documentary? Is that recent or the old no, one? Like, it's old the, one. Before they, 
it's like when uh, one. I think I saw like bits and pieces of it or something. Like that was a for me that was cool. Like I like I've watched like the Billie Eilish documentary like a million times. I like I love that girl. But like oh I, I, I've seen that and like the Ed Sheeran. Did you remix her? Couple times, but they weren't. Boot, like, it, they weren't yeah. official. They they we we got clearance from them to put it out as like a free download, but they were like we're just not putting remixes out. She kind of gone to the stratosphere already by then sadly yeah um that's my new thing is doing uh bootleg remixes and just putting them out on soundcloud yeah there's a big revival for that right now actually yeah. like a lot of the stuff i'm playing in my sets is just coming from like little irish producers and shit that are making bootlegs i don't yeah. i don't know why these irish kids make really good soundcloud because there's fuck all to do in ireland and they <laughs> yeah, literally just, just part, party <laughs> and make music it's, it's this thing it's like it's the the extremes of great britain or not even just northern ireland the united kingdom and ireland like scotland's the same like you the dark depths of scotland at the top there's no fuck all to do and it's pretty depressing so it's like what do you do to to escape that you party really hard and you listen to fucking hard dance music that it's always like it has a very um uplifting like yeah. feel to it which i'm like oh, that doesn't really make sense for her I mean, I've never been Ireland or it's Scotland, beautiful. but it's beautiful. But yeah, I, I need to go. I there's to not go. much to go. There's not much to do there, really, and if especially if you live in the country. Um, yeah, there's, you're gonna there's... piss off a lot of Irish listeners, right? No, I don't think so. Fuck it, it's the <laughs> truth. <laughs> I love Ireland. It's beautiful. I love Scotland, but like, yeah, that's. I think that's why it it creates so many good artists because it's like they the rave culture the. Their, their scene is very, very small and they support their own massively. So if, you, and like that's more north of the UK as well. So if you have like, I spoke about it. Who did I speak about it with? Oh, I spoke about it with Shaq, who the episode's out when this comes out, but I had Shaq. On oh, I thought you meant Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> that would be amazing I if I had like, him on what? the podcast. Um, well, but like, he, I think you can. Uh, I don't know. Don't know. I guess he's a dubstep DJ now, isn't he? Bro, you you say that like it's like impossible, but like that it is. I, I could see that clearly happening. That would be he's a dubstep DJ, but yeah, that would be amazing, dude. It's it's getting guests on this podcast is way harder than people think. Way. I harder. just texted you. I was like, "Yo, can I get on the podcast?" You're like, "Sure, be free next week." I'm yeah, like, let's do it. It was easy, but like, it's so hard, especially like the super big guys it's like no i why do i need to do that it's like yeah to be f i i i can kind of not relate but like I, I feel like in this industry there, there can often be an overwhelming amount of requests to do something where if you don't know about it or you're not really like familiar with it you could be like oh it's just like yeah someone trying to you know harass me or something it's just yeah, yeah. will clark harassing yeah, yeah. me but exactly um yeah but nobody knows who i am like there's only a certain amount of people that know who i am right so it's like, and then also there's a certain, there's people that know who I am that like, are still like, well, I'm bigger than him and I don't want to look like, like. It's that, such a weird complex, so, right? Like so I can't work with someone that. that I have, that I'm bigger with. I sometimes suffer that myself and I have to check myself and be like, that's such a stupid thing to think about. Like, you know, it's, it's collaborating or anything. There's, there's some it's weird. It's, it's weird. There's some artists that are like kind of my friends that just won't come on because because of that 
that's weird. It's weird. But do you use other do you use other guests that you've had in the past, like let's say like big um industry people or artists? Do you like when you send an email out to someone that you're trying to get, do you say like we've had XYZ kind of to kind of give it some more credibility? To a certain or... extent. Um yeah. If we if we're doing like cold calling, yeah. But a lot of a yeah. lot of it is now is just like me just DMing people and just being like, yo, do you want to do it? It's just like also schedules. A lot of the bigger guys have crazy schedules. So like we're, tr- we're trying to get Nicole Mudabar on and like she wants to do it, but it's like her schedule's mental. And then it's got to fit yeah, in with mine. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. And just, so it's like there's a lot of people that it just takes way longer. And I think obviously like we have a relationship. Like it's it's just a bit more chill. Like some people, it has to be a bigger thing than what it actually is. It's not that. It's just a, a long conversation. That's all it is. Yeah, we had zero talking points going into this. No, like, I nothing. don't have any talking points with anyone. You ever? Do, you never do that. Never. Interesting. Never. See, I've, I would get scared that I would either run into a situation. You know, I, I feel like I'm decent at conversing, but I would always get nervous that like I would not be able to get like the right things out of them or run into like a, a state. A, stop kind of where you know the podcast that that happens they they're short (laughs) they're like 45 (laughs) they're like 45 minutes like it's it's the fact is is that sometimes people can't talk and that's absolutely fine like this it's cool yeah and it's not like getting mad about it it's just some people just can't make a conversation there's one podcast that like i did with somebody and i didn't really know him but we'd worked together I'm, i don't want to say his name because the podcast was actually really good but it took like 45 minutes for him to like actually conversate back it was almost like i was asking questions that i was just trying to come up with on my head off my head and it would be like a yes and no answer rather than being like actually going into detail on the it would, yeah. i'd have to go like oh can you tell me more about that like it's it's just like I think people think podcast is an interview. It's like, this isn't really an interview. Like this is just a chat between two people and like getting to know each other and kind of also having the outsider point of view that somebody also listens to this. So what might they want to know? It's definitely a skill getting, getting people to respond in a certain way and, and get, get those kind of nuggets of, wisdom or whatever it is out of them um and getting people i think to be you do like a great honest. job of it well thanks man appreciate it How, you're the 151st episode so Woo-hoo. yeah how many original pokemon are there are there 150 i've never collected like, pokemon that explains a lot to be honest yeah i had yeah. a life yeah you're, just, <laughs> you're an outcast man how you're, not, many, you're not part of mainstream media how many pokemon original pokemon original though now there's probably like a 900 there's a thousand and eight how many yeah. original pokemon? i still play pokemon sometimes on your phone mate um, how no, did you know that you, switch you definitely play way more pokemon than you're letting on to <laughs> is it 151 it's the ring light oh because that's like a, whenever i hear the number 151 i think pokemon like it's just kind of wired in my brain yeah that's weird but i'll allow it do you know yeah, what do you know what the 151st Pokemon is? Of course. Who? You're definitely. Alright, it's, it's one it's one of two. Are you Googling? I may get it wrong. No, I'm not. Hands hands up. 
I'm going to go with Mew, but it could be Mewtwo, but I think it's Mew. And what's Mew's type? Psychic, easy. Jesus, son. Bro, I know the type of every single of the original Pokemon, probably. Are you single? Um, no, I'm not single. Oh. I kicked my girlfriend out to do this uh, oh, this podcast. I thought you'd be single. So it's getting all dark in here. <laughs> Mate. I gotta let her back in. I think she's outside the door. Is she out the door? Um, no. We've just done an hour and 45 minutes. Um, let's wrap this up. A uh, yes. couple of things. How can people listen to your music and follow you? Yeah, so on all socials, it should be It's the West End. ITS, the West End. It's really hard to get at West End. I'm trying to, but it's just too common and too common of a name. So yeah, it's the West End everywhere. Um, and yeah, check out my SoundCloud. I've been putting out some free bootlegs there. If you're a DJ and you want some extra ammo for your sets, um, Spotify, other than that, I don't know where else, Apple Music, wherever you listen to your music, you know? Wherever. Um, and also, how can people sign up to your school thing? My Discord, yeah. Discord. So um, www.kick-base.com. Um, that's our website. And there's a couple of different kind of subscription levels you can join in there. Uh, if you want to just like watch some videos, we, we also upload a lot of the tutorials onto our YouTube channel. It's Kick and Base. And I have some stuff as well on my personal channel, which is just West End on YouTube. Um, so, yeah. Amazing. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Keep safe. See you soon. Thank you, Will. Peace. We'll talk soon. Cheers, mate. And that is a wrap. Big love to everybody for listening. Thanks for uh, coming on, Mr. West End. It was good. And please uh, please share. Please send it to your mates. Share it with your family. Share it with whoever you want. Um, keep safe. Till next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.